Welcome to Vaguely Music. I am Kelsey Jacobson. And I'm Ryan Strumpfler. And with us today, we have the fantastic Kyle Therian. Yeah, that was correct. All right. <laughs> Great job. Great job. First try. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. So, um, uh, long synopsis made short, I guess. So, <laughs> Kyle is a fantastic uh, sound engineer, uh, as Ryan referred to him earlier, recorder. <laughs> and he's an even better friend. <laughs> and, That's um, right. We are friends now. Yeah. Heart. And unfortunately, you all will never be able to enjoy the magnificent first take that we tried uh, when we brought Kyle in for season one and he was the podcast that got away. <laughs> I feel like I'll, I'll never give another performance like that either, guys. No, we can't. Just so you know. We can't recreate that. There was definitely some, some lightning some in the bottle in that, that night, yeah. <laughs> it was like some Frosty the Snowman thing. <laughs> yeah, so we're living in a little bit of, of recording PTSD, but I think we'll make it through. Mm-hmm. I have faith. So... Even though we're going to feel like we're doing a little bit of recap here, can you, uh, can you give us a little um, sort of walkthrough of what you do now? Um, currently, I am a producer and engineer and business owner. Um, I own Railroad Park Recording Company in Westport, Massachusetts, here in the lovely Westport, Massachusetts. Yes, mm-hmm. like five minutes, ten minutes down the road. Literally so close. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious we... We'd all become friends and be hanging out and working together. Inevitable. I mean, we are the, the Westport music community, aren't we? <laughs> we yeah. are. That's it. It ends in this room. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm a musician. Um, I'm in a, several bands. I've uh, been playing music for you know well over 10 years professionally, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah. You know? And so how long has Railroad Park been an entity? In what it is officially, um, I'd say about a year. Okay, but I mean the operation was something I've been working on for about three years. Yep. Um, and when I say three years, it's I'm, I mean like every single day for three years. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, with like barely any days off. So, um, but it's yeah, it's it's a fantastic it's a fantastic place. For musicians and for artists and creatives, it's I'm really proud of uh, of the little space that we have. I mean, it's not which is very cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely not your average studio. It's it's yeah. it's very different. So anybody who's never been there before, it started in a trailer, um, yes. which is unconventional and strange. But perfect for Westport, but it is perfect for Westport. <laughs> and um, I guess I'll just go into it a little bit. You know, not to. You, know, you t- are the yeah, no, okay. I, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm the guest, right? We are yeah. here for you. I, I feel yeah. I feel like someone's gonna walk in any moment and be like, "I'm the guest. The guest is here." <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, coming off of like ten years of straight touring with my band, and things kind of fizzled out after ten years, and we did a lot of really cool stuff. But um, when you're in the same band for ten years, uh, yeah. you know, things can kind of get unexciting, and um, things kind of just slowed down with the band and uh I kind of needed to create uh scratch that creative itch so I got into recording and um you know coming off of being a touring musician and really investing every dollar I had made um and in every dollar I was making at the time back right back into touring and recording and chasing the dream um when it all came to a halt I found myself very broke 
um, and kind of hitting rock bottom and, and kind of like thriving and, and, and being very thirsty for that, for that, you know, what I got from being in a band and being a traveling musician. So I spent about a year kind of wandering the earth, kind of depressed, feeling like I didn't have a, a sense of uh, purpose, you know? Yeah. I, I, had, I invested so much into the band, everything. Like, I just, you know, I could not fail. And we did some amazing things, the, the bands that I was in. Um, you know, world tours, I met my wife from touring in, in the UK. Um, we had some great accomplishments, but yeah, when it all fizzled out, I was kind of left like, you know, kind of with nothing, high and dry, no money, no, no hobbies, no nothing. And uh, when I started getting to recording, like I literally had nothing. So <clears throat> my uncle was actually getting rid of a trailer. They were going to be, it was a camper, the Jayco, like a 1976 Jayco trailer. Yep. And they were going to be throwing it away. And they were like, hey, do you do you want this junky old, you know, trailer, this jalopy trailer? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I, I mean, I started, I was like, I was looking at it, I was like, uh, this is going to be a good place where I can rehearse, make my own music, get creative. And so what I did was I gutted it completely. It was all moldy and nasty, completely gutted it. And because I had no money, I kind of, the only option I had was to, to build my my space with uh, recycled materials. Right. So there's, if you're in the studio, there's a, there's what used to be the drum room. That's, you know, got that, you know, stereotypical studio, like glass window from the control room to the live room. Yep. And, uh, one of the biggest examples of it being made out of recycled materials is that window is actually a sliding glass door horizontal. Um, because we had a sliding glass door laying around in the, on the property. So yeah, everything was built with recycled materials and that's how it started. And, um, to think now the additions that have been made, um, to the property, the way it looks now, my lengthy list of clientele and just kind of movement that's been happening in there. It's incredible to think that it all started from, a former touring musician who was broke trying to just have some space for himself to, to kind of create. That's, yeah, that's a surreal, I feel like that's a very surreal business moment when, when you've got, you throw everything in, right? And you have that um, idea of, you have the vision of what you want it to be, but then in the early stages, it tends to just be kind of like a messy slap together like yeah my paper mache version <laughs> of my business no absolutely and I, I think that I always had the dream of you know making a business out of it yeah but it was kind of like I was like it was something that I was like man I wouldn't tell anybody that I, I dream of making a business out of this trailer <laughs> because they, they think I'm crazy yeah but um I kept low expectations but I worked really really hard and I think at the end of the day, people people started coming there not not to be working out of a trailer, but because I was you know I was giving giving them my everything, my knowledge, my wealth of knowledge that I've gained from touring and being in the industry and kind of being chewed up and spat out to um, my knowledge of producing and what I've learned from working with big producers in the past yeah. and engineers and whatnot. So I feel like people were coming there for me and. Uh, that sounds so. Uh, no, don't. No, don't, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. No, don't. But be, I mean, yeah. I was literally working out of a trailer. You right. You know what I mean? And with little to no equipment, I started. All my equipment was borrowed. 
yep. from, from friends who had gone and started businesses and were like, here, we got this audio gear you can use while we're out making money. Yeah. Um, and that's how, and that's how things started. And I started off really cheap. Like most creatives, I had kind of imposter syndrome, which I was just going to say that you can't avoid, you can't avoid it when you're no. working in a, in a, in a space like that, you no. know, but I tried to make sure that I did the absolute best I could with the nest so that when people did walk into a trailer, then, you know, they walked up to it and they were like, man, this jalopy trailer is where I'm going to record my <laughs> album. And then they walked in and they were like, whoa, this is really cool. Like you yeah. did a really good job with this. And, um, and then I was just sure to give them, you know, 110%, you know, from the start until the end of the session. And people started to continuously come back and come back and, you know, you know, a little bit of buzz. I feel like a little bit of buzz was generated. A little bit of momentum was generated. And, um, since the, since about two or three years ago, when I started that jalopy trailer studio, it's, it's grown into much more than that. It's a legitimate business. It's actually how I make a living. So, yeah. Um, right. So, so walk me through a day in the life now then, or oh, a no. week then, because I know it depends on it depends right. on what clients walk into right. the door. And because so, sometimes a client might come through, hand me a wad of cash, and say, "Let's go to the beach." Ooh. <laughs> oh, that sounds weirdly familiar. Yeah, and then on top of that, tell me about your most attractive guitar player that you've recorded in the past <laughs> week. Uh, no, but walk me through because a week in your life, I had a it, really attractive client. He, he canceled it. Uh, yeah. He canceled. He's supposed <laughs> to be the there tomorrow at some point. Um, but walk me through because not only do you record everybody and do everything, but you also, when clients ask for vocals, bass, guitar keyboards, anything like that, you're quite well versed in the instrument and be able to do anything that you need. So generally, what does a week look like? Um, I'm pretty much working Monday through Sunday. Um, and when I first started out, I, I was doing two sessions a day. It was uh, starting at 11 a.m. session till about a little after lunch, then taking a lunch and then working until wee hours of the uh, early morning, which was, which was, I knew I was going to burn out pretty quickly, but I feel like I was trying to catch up and, and get as much experience as I could. Um, uh, and posture syndrome will do that to you. You know what I mean? When you, when yeah. you always feel like, man, you know, an artist would leave the studio and they'd, they'd have a, the time of their life and we'd make a really awesome record or whatnot. And I'd be like, ah, I fooled another one, you know, yeah. like, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I was slaving away for two years and then finally what a week, what a day in the life looks like this year. Um, you know, I've got multiple engineers at the studio. Um, so there's often multiple projects being done or, uh, my favorite is multiple engineers tag teaming a project, which is great because, I'm all for like the collaborative spirit. I feel like the more heads you can get involved, I'm sure you yeah, have too many chefs in the kitchen, but I've, I've kind of, I'm really lucky to have the team that I, that I have. And I, you know, I, f I feel so lucky and I, and I feel like a lot of artists who, who get to meet Clinton and get to meet Eric feel um, very lucky to have them be a part of their records as well. But I feel like we got a great team and when we collaborate, it's amazing. Um, right now, as of most recently, um, we've been really having a we've been really ha <clears throat> having fun experimenting with um, having multiple engineers work on the same song at the same time. So basically, in the Jayco trailer, which is one recording space on the property, I could be doing something like bass. This is post recording drums, and in the 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 studio studio in the whisper room or what we call the lounge, even though it's a pretty much a control room now, um, we can have 
Clinton recording, uh, working on vocals, and yeah. um, it's just it's just great all around. And and then we've got a new space coming to the studio soon, a fifth wheel um, where Eric's going to be working out of one of my other engineers. And the real dream is to be like you know, once we've recorded drums. Everybody splits off into their own corners and starts working on their own portions yeah. of the of the record. And I don't feel like it's 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 an um, it's 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 not intended to speed up the process, but in fact get more people involved and just right. you know. Well, yeah, to you don't have to spend so momentum. much time on just like the initial like the the baseline work. Yeah. You can get more depth, but even still with less time. Right, yeah. which and is I, and I think too one of the things about. As, as all three of us can attest, when you're recording and when you're an artist, it's tough to be hearing yourself over and over and over again. So that one-on-one vibe is hyper-important oh, yeah. to be, to be individualized. And, and honestly, to not have your band with you the whole time, like, hey, I love you guys, but I need to be in my own headspace because otherwise yeah. there's a lot of pressure to be like, oh, I got to totally. nail it, right? Everybody who's ever recorded can can tell the same story of like the whole band just chilling on the couch, super bored, like being like, dude, why haven't you nailed your bass part already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like it's putting you on the the defensive. Yep. Yeah, totally. You're not comfortable. I, I mean, as an engineer who's been doing this for a while, who has been in a, in a million productions, a million studios, you know, inside and outside of engineering, you know, as a musician as well, I could tell you that the one-on-one sessions was what it was all about yeah. and you didn't have the band you know over your shoulder nitpicking every little yeah. move or not even allowing you to take the time necessary to get comfortable um and and i know as an engineer like the most productive sessions are when the drummer doesn't show up because he's got to be at work or or whatever <laughs> oh. you know what i mean um when it's just me and the vocalist yeah. like no seriously like a lot of the times, if they're not working, they're just being a distraction. Agreed. You know? There's a lot, and and the people involved in the recording feel isolated as well because you're just like, wait, so I'm here to check my phone for six hours today, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, what's exactly. the kind of point? And then there, so there is something to when you're talking about splitting it up, not so much so you can feel like you can have people get in, get out. Yeah, because like, that's definitely not the right, not the goal, right? Uh, but it's more of hey, let's have that, let's build this intimate thing. And let's let's place it over as many different people as possible, so that the rec- record really feels like home. Absolutely, and not just—I mean, we're talking three engineers who are neurotic and uh, and obsessed with with getting the best tones and and getting everything right during production, so we don't have to be tuning bass notes and in, in post and yeah. and doing all that type of stuff. Because you know, you know, being lazy in the studio can really mean. Uh, punishment for an engineer in, yeah, in, right. in, in, in post. Yep. And so, um, you know, so a day in the life right now, it, it, it looks different every day, but that's also one of the reasons I got involved with this is, you know, as mundane as recording artists every single day, Monday through Sunday can get, it's still different every day. It's still a different artist. It's still a different eccentric, a different creative, so, a different vibe, a different genre. It is, I, it is the I greatest feel like, life yeah, one have, could ask for. You have so much ver- uh, variety of um, musical types and, and personalities, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually really excited that, you know, we did that first podcast and that was sort of when we were first getting to know you. And now we've had the opportunity to go into the studio and be there for some sessions. Oh, and yes. we've had some of our students work with you, which has been awesome, right? Well, I like hang out with Ryan. Like I consider him like... A friend before a client. Ryan a friend, <laughs> except for Ryan. I mean, he he shows up to the studio 
uninvited. That's how that's how much of a friend he is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, no, but you're right. I Ryan said it and it clicked. I didn't even realize it. When we first did this podcast, we barely knew each other. No, it was we the formal like, handshake, like, hi, yeah, how are you? Yeah, I own double exactly. bar. And yes, well, oh, yes. I was, I, still, I was also and... trying to, like, win you guys over. Like, here's first impression. Oh, and Kyle. now, now well, we're chopped we're liver. Like, yeah. Okay, no, I was like, this, you got this. This brings, go ahead. Well, no, so what I was going to say is, like, consistently what I've heard since then and, like, what I've experienced going in um, – is that you are very good at connecting to the people you work with. Your experiences are very unique. <laughs> oh, and, no I, and I don't mean that. No, no, I do connect with, with people and artists. <laughs> it might be. But, um, no, I just, it, it, that, that's a funny joke because you're in for Dave Alves sessions. And yes. Dave Alves sessions are, are extremely unique. Well, but I've even heard this. So from our, from like the student bands that we've had yeah, that we've gone yeah, through. Yeah. So what I, I mean, I guess what I'm I mean by that. I'm glad that you have your, the right impression. Good. Well, that's a good impression <laughs> to have because I think Because Kelsey one of the comes to studio say, sessions where we're a bunch of friends hanging out. Yeah. And, and I just want to let you guys know that there are some, there are some very professional, very serious, very, um, not much like Dave Alves sessions, but Dave Alves sessions are some of my favorite because, you know, there's there's a level of um, friendship and like yes. you know just being able to hang out and have fun and laughing and, and it's it's less. I mean, some some sessions are like that, but um, you are right. I think you know. Well, and I think you're able to just from what I've experienced, from what other people say, not just my own experience, because this has come from a lot of other people that yeah. I've talked to, which is you're able to connect with them how they need to connect to be able to produce wonderfully in yeah. the studio, right? Yeah. And I think that's hard, because like some people, it is, so is going to be very, very close and very friendly and very loose, but then other people are going to have this yeah. sort of like very hard professional expectation of we come in, we mean business, you know, we're... This is a very formal... That's a great point because there's so many aspects of being a full-time recording engineer and producer um, that I did not... I could have never anticipated. It's it's hard enough to engineer a great-sounding record, but insert... Every, people? Er, insert people. <laughs> insert eccentric and, and all these, these different personalities. I mean, it could be very... It could be a minefield to navigate yeah. when you've got... Um, you know, uh, contestant A who has the voice of Michael Jackson, but the social personality of a of a of a rabid dog, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like every single every Absolutely. single day is just like. I mean, luckily, I have a lot of I have a nice list of clients that I'm continuously working with, and I and I know how to I know how they tick, and I know what I know how to work with them. But you know, working with new artists, it's like we're artists. We're all kind of crazy in yeah. our own way, yep. right? Yep. I mean, so I'm I'm very um, sensitive to the fact that, you know, people are coming to me with their most deepest, darkest emotions and and songs that they've wrote to help with this and help with that. I mean, could is that heavy? Like it's so heavy. Do you so heavy? How do you decompress from that between sessions? It's it's something that I've had to learn because honestly, like. Um, the last few years I, I, of, of, of tapping into, so let me, let me try to explain, right? So, so 
as as a vocalist and as a, primarily a songwriter, as I would consider myself, you know, I get an artist in there. I try to make them feel as comfortable as possum, possible, possums, <laughs> as possible. And then I really try to tap into their their psyche. You know, what? Where did the inspiration for this song come? Um, tell me about this. And a, a lot of the greatest songs are written about t- topics and subjects that are so um, so. Personal, personal, heavy. that yeah. some people are embarrassed to even talk about. Yeah. It. I mean, most people are, but I encourage them to talk to me about it because I I want to know what is the message that you're trying to convey. Don't don't be embarrassed. I should be the last person you're embarrassed in front of. And and just this sort of work has um, caused me to be really close to artists and really close to people and get really personal with people. And so you have this eight hour to more realistically 12 hour session every single day that is so that, you know, more than not is extremely emotional. Yeah. Um, and then they leave and they're like, what the hell just happened? Like, this is crazy. And then I go, I, I'm just like, yep, ne- bring on the next guy. You right. know what well, I mean? For, for Which them, is it's very cathartic. intense. For them, it's a release. It's like, yeah. oh, I got to share yeah. this thing yeah. that I that I have for myself. It's like, it gets yeah. that outward expression. I've but had then, to build up a stamina for it. Yeah. A, and it, it was a struggle for the, the, the first two years. It is still even a struggle, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of... I've built up that that callus and that that stamina right now where I'm able to kind of compartmentalize it. You know, I can get into a session, literally navigate through somebody's head mm-hmm. and brain and heart and issues and go through this really intense eight hours yeah. and then like Not clock out and go for dinner with my wife. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. And just yes. like, uh, what did you do today? Well, I just unpacked someone's ment- yeah. uh, entire uh, upbringing. Yeah, <laughs> musical so, therapy. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. This brings it to the next point, right? Is two parter. One, how do you bring the best sound out of somebody? Like each person is going to be unique. Mm-hmm. So how do you bring the sound best sound? And two, how do you deal with sound fatigue? Oh, you personally, yeah, that's a real thing. And not just in your overall, like, oh, I'm done with the session. I'm not listening to music. But mid session, you're like, how do you deal with the fact that like take seven sounds the same as take eleven? Like, yeah. Um, so stamina. It's something I've had to build up in the ear fatigue department. And when I first started and I was, you know, basically it, I had a job. I hated it. Uh, I felt, you know, miserable. Um, this was, you know, coming off the road. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm working this nine to five and I'm, I'm feeling miserable. So I jump into the freelance world. I jump into starting this recording business, which is a... Uh, but isn't real estate or accountant? Let's be be honest. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a grind. I knew that I was going to have to work twice as hard as somebody who was doing a more conventional type career. So um, at first, I was scared, and I when I I would say yes to everything. Yeah, I, and I would double book every single day, and I didn't realize, and I quickly learned halfway through the day, my ears were going to be what I call mashed potatoes. Yeah. Like I just, I can't even hear, I'm starting to hear things oddly. And, you know, I'd be like, man, the bass needs to be turned up on this. And someone would be like, no, the bass is like so loud. Like yeah. And you just, I was familiar with ear fatigue from recording in studios with my band for years and years and years. Um, but this was like the first time I actually started to experience it. And I was kind of like thrown in the water without any floaties and I couldn't swim because it was like, okay, 
a band's just leaving the studio. My ears are incredibly fatigued. My, I'm feeling drained emotionally. But regardless, another artist is walking through the door, and I have to, I have to greet them with energy and excitement and dig into another eight hours of work. And my ears are like ringing. And I guess just forcing yourself to do it is how you build that stamina. Just like, you know, guitar playing. When you first pick up a guitar, everybody says the same thing. Man, my fingers are killing me. How in the world does anybody play guitar for more than an hour? And it's like, you just kind of have to build it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing with with everything, a drummer's a drummer's kick foot, you know what I mean? Like building that stamina up and ear fatigue. But I mean, you know, as I got a little bit smarter, I try to take as many breaks as I can during the day, um, ear breaks here and there. And I also just try to keep volume very low. I try to engineer, mix, yeah. and, and work at low volumes if yep. I can until I got to really monitor something. I'll bring it up, but I'll bring it, I'll bring it back down. Um, but that's kind of a... Yeah, common so, practice. So then <clears throat> let's bring in the first part. <clears throat> when you have that vulnerable situation, sorry for all of those listening who heard me cough three times. Um, <laughs> when you have, you I like how he tape. says three times. <laughs> I cough three times, three it's and a half times. <laughs> how do you draw out the performance of somebody? It's different for, it's, it's different for, per application. So, um, you know, Eric, one of my engineers, fantastic drummer, works so well with drummers. Clinton, fantastic guitar player. I mean, just, you'll never meet anybody more neurotic about making sure your guitar is in tune, you've got the right gauge strings and the right intonation. Um, and that type of neurosis is what it takes to, um, to get the best sounding guitar takes, you know? Um, and same, same goes, goes for Eric. And me, I like to think that my specialty is vocals mm. um, as a vocalist myself. And vocals, as I was saying on the first podcast that we'll never get to hear, um, <laughs> uh, is a very special application in music where, you know, I could say, hey, Ryan, that guitar lick you're playing is kind of, it's just trashy. It's, it's garbage. But you would never say that. I would never say that because he's a fantastic guitar player. <laughs> but um, yeah, he is. He's incredible. No, I'll start talking looks. you up, man. <laughs> you know I'm good at that. <laughs> Ryan is a fantastic guitar player. He's good at a lot of other things too. Um, but anyhow, uh, the, the, the vocals, singing is so personal. I mean, nine out of 10 times, if you're singing the song, you wrote the song. So there is just this perfect storm of, you know. It's my lyric. It's my melody. It's, it's my, my tone exactly. of voice. It's my if, if I don't like your guitar playing, well, we can still go get a drink at the end of the day and, and be friends. I mean, if you don't like my voice, that's kind of personal. Yeah, it's yeah. also really. I can't change that. No, yeah. it's really easy for me to use a different guitar and amp. It's it, really it easy to just be like, oh, I don't like that. All right, let's grab the other one. Someone's timbre of their voice is not something that they can just switch out like a guitar. And I also think it takes a lot of self-reflection as a singer to know your personal strengths. Mm -hmm. So if you're going into the studio and you're in that in-between area where you're still just trying to figure out, you know, who Which you, you will are. inevitably have to be in yeah, to get exactly, there. Exactly, exactly. And that's a lot, of the, a lot of the artists that I deal with. I don't deal with, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, Lady Gaga come in the studio every day. I deal with a lot of people who are kind of learning and, and working hard and kind of going through this sort of thing that I've been through and you've probably been through. Yeah. So, you know, my first thing is to, to, to kind of 
talk to them and try to and try to cover a few bases that I think that they're going to experience. Hey, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I guess relating, you know, relating to them. You know, I, I know what I experienced in the vocal booth. Like I, I always talk to artists about over singing things. Yeah. Like, hey, you're in this weird environment, right? You've got headphones on. You've got this fancy microphone in your face, and you can hear every. You can hear yourself breathing. You can hear all this, <laughs> and you're and you're like, this is it. I paid the money. I'm recording my record. I gotta make right now count. I gotta make this sound really, really good. And it's so easy to overstoke yourself out. Yes. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, hey, I, I try to explain that that situation to the, to the vocalist right off the bat. And I say, relax, take a deep breath. You're singing. It's always easier than you think it's going to be at at this point because you're, you're, you're stoked up. You're, you're overthinking it. Like when people hear you sing, they want it. They want it to sound like it comes natural to you. Yes. They don't want to hear that you're trying really hard to hit all these wild vibrato parts and, and, and all that, you know, it's like, Chill, relax, and just sing the part. You know, it's it's kind yeah. of it's just an easy environment to kind of overstoke yourself. That's a hard out. thing to to for some people to understand, though. I feel like um, no matter the instrument, too, because if you come from live performance where you know you get up on stage and you're like, I'm just going all in for the yeah. next hour. Well, that's, how yeah. you, that's how you eat. That's how you yes. get the gig. And that's especially easy as a vocalist yeah. because you can just be like, oh, I forgot the words. New Bedford, how's it going in <laughs> And everybody cheers and they're all having a good time. And it's like, you can't do that on the record. No. Like, you got to hit it, man. <laughs> like, yeah. perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds, that's, I totally get it because it sounds dead if not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you're worried about, you want to capture a lot of people when they go to record, it's not so much. Oh, I want the best tone, or I want this. You want to capture the X factor. Oh, that yes. That thing that didn't the exist, magic. that, that it happens when you just listen back and you go like, 99% of that I can explain. That 1% was a moment in time, and I can't replicate that. And so you try to force the magic. You try to make it happen. Totally. But that's something you said about vocalists that I would just chuck and apply it to everything as well, right? It's yeah. always easier than you think. Mm-hmm. And I think that with, with a, a lot of music, but definitely having been in the studio, you notice like it can start to become monotonous and, and it tends to be the thing that you end up like not psyching yourself out and almost third party zooming out and just letting it happen yeah. tends to be the magic. Not totally. the, I'm going to let this rip. One, two, three, go. It's the all right, I kind of have an almost like an out of body experience in letting it happen. Yeah. And then you hit the button and you're like, oh, was that the one? We should do one more just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a strange, it's a strange process because it's like, hey, we want you to be as natural as possible, but we're also going to put like, Six microphones in front of your also, face. Yeah, we're going to measure them to make sure yeah. that they're in phase, <laughs> and you're going to be able to hear yourself like insane. Like you're going to have headphones on, and if you're even thinking about you know a bowel movement, you're going to hear. You're just going to hear everything <laughs> from your head to your toe. Yeah. And um, we're all going to be in a room. We're all just going to be quiet, intently listening to every single right. thing that you do. It's just so unnatural. Yeah, yeah. I want you to be it's natural so playing the pre-chorus six times. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Not how and then play like, that over yes. and over and but over. That's, that's, it's very particular how that happens. Once again, like, oh, I want you to feel natural singing that same line in the verse over and over. And I want you to, like, and that's how overthinking happens. Yeah, to a metronome. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, so it's a wild experience. I feel like my team is awesome. So 
Clinton and Eric, they're super neurotic. They're super technical. They're super knowledgeable about like tuning and theory and scales and all that stuff. And that is super important. But I think my strength is that I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a vocalist. I can play guitar. I can play drums. I'm a jack of all trade, master of none, except singing and writing music. And I feel like that's what I offer because, you know, I'm gonna have I I just that you know just working with vocalists and working with songwriters and tapping into people and and you know creating a good vibe and a good energy. That's my wheelhouse. Like that's what I'm a professional at. And so I feel like all three of us are just this perfect storm where if you get all three of us on your record, every, every corner is, is just covered. You know, your guitars are in tune, your drummer's in time and your vocalist is crying. Yep. <laughs> He's and you're puking and crying and just and the in bass we just plugged in DI and called it a day. What's a bassist? Yeah. <laughs> you just take the guitar and tune it down. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I, I mean I'm just the type of person where my favorite songs are like four chords, just spill your heart out. You know what I mean? Make me feel something type of song. So um I guess my job is 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 it's just it's just it's different. It's not, it's uh, whereas Clinton and Eric are, have tech jobs. I don't, I'm like a psychiatrist on site, you know? But you, that, that's the, I mean, music, the, the end product of music is, is like storytelling and essentially, absolutely, you know, emotional connection is a kind of, of yeah. communicative Poem, connection. So you, know, you need that piece. And I think a lot of times when you go into studios, product comes out that is very Stale, yes, vanilla. And, yeah. Yeah. And some of that is, you know, depending on the on the quality of the studio itself. But then the other piece of that is does the person who's working on that that song or EP or record understand what the purpose of that is? Yeah. What the point of that song or EP is. And because if they do, then they can make choices that help convey that. Either Absolutely. live in the capture. Or in the mixing and then post-production, everything that comes after helps, is all influenced by what the purpose of that, that concept is. So I feel like it is probably extremely helpful to you when people come in initially with a very clear idea. Well, often they don't. And that's, and that's, uh, that's also okay. Yeah. Because I'm a big fan of developing that. And th- that's part of the process. That can be part of the process where... Um, you're you're this vocalist and you wrote this song and you you know I I've got a couple verses and I hear it and I'm like oh this sounds awfully safe what are you trying to tell me <laughs> and they're like oh, oh um what do you mean and I'm like what are you trying to tell me mm-hmm. read me your lyrics I put them in an uncomfortable position because mm-hmm. a lot of the times you get these vocalists who are like you know kind of teetering the 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 warning track of like yo this is extremely personal and say something without actually saying something exactly yeah. and then so you know forcing them to be outgoing about it and you know because I can't produce a song if I don't know what it's about if I don't know what you're talking about and first of all I should be able to listen to your song and kind of get a feeling relate to it in some sort of way or it should make me feel some type of emotion if if I don't figure it out completely it should at least make me feel something and so that's the first that's the first thing because i feel like as people people of bands of 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 uh, original music uh, yeah. you know we all been there we all wrote those vanilla milkshake yep. songs where yep. you're just like yeah that's good but i'm not going to pay you know, seven dollars a month to have Spotify and listen to that or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. gonna go to your show. It's like those songs that 
tap into you that, you know, fire you up at the gym or give you goosebumps when you're driving in your car or those songs that you just can't stop listening to over and over and over and over again. Why? It's because someone's telling you a story, but they're selling it. They're making you feel their pain or they're making you, you know, be as stoked as they were in that moment that inspired them to write that song or, you know, whatever it's about, you know? And I feel like, it's it, it's a it's a perfect storm as we were saying it's magic it, it it's it's you know authenticity sorry for the buzzword uh it's it's real it's real, it's, real. <laughs> yeah. it's been ruined but it's real <laughs> yeah it's real it's suffrage it's um you know it's just it's just honest honest i love a good honest song you yeah. know you know so the best songs that i've ever written i know were songs that i was embarrassed to talk to my band about and be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, or, or, or sometimes it, you know, the band knew what I was singing about. They're like, Oh, he's singing about that shit that happened in his life. Oh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> singing about that stuff that happened in his life. And, um, you just kind of have to lay it all out there. If you're right, if you're singing songs to everybody, you're singing to nobody or whatever yeah. that cliche is. Yeah, I, I agree though. Cause you, you want the treasure chest songs. You want the mm-hmm. songs that people hold close to their, the, you want the songs that people play in their cars or like, you, you want that because that's the one. I do at least. Know? Yeah. I do at least. Don't stop <laughs> believing. <laughs> that's it. That's the first I'm song I'm a vocalist and then I just did that. So, so. <laughs> where do you, oh, I feel like I'm, this is no longer a podcast, oh, but boy. an interview. Where do you see yourself next? The Oriental Pearl, of course. <laughs> Can I say sponsored. that? We're not sponsored. Not yet. Um, <laughs> but, My goals are big. <laughs> um. So what would you love railroad to look like in like let's say five two years. years? Yeah, well, that's five years. Yeah, sure. Um, do you want us to be around in five years? I do want to be okay. around in five years. In fact, in five years, I would like to be um, you know, this unconventional um, label, if, if we're going to use an old school term. Mm-hmm. I, I'd really like to be helping artists not only produce music, but um, distribute music. Um, I, I, I've got a lot of plans. I've got a, I've got a lot of plans for it, but I think, you know, I see this, I just see this umbrella of, um, really cool stuff going on at railroad. Um, so obviously I want to raise the bar in terms of double it, if you will, double bar, double the bar. (laughs) (laughs) I want to double the bar. I want to, I want to, I want to, um, work with some 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 of my favorite artists of course i've got all these little boxes well, i think we're already doing a song kyle that's I right the whole ep <laughs> i got news for you ryan um, <laughs> um no i'm just joking i love ryan he's the greatest guitar player of all time uh jimmy <laughs> hendrix that's number four rolling in his grave because <laughs> four number five <laughs> but yeah I, I i really i i feel like um you know i i, I just i want Records to be being made, but I also want to help artists on all spectrums, you know, distributing music uh, and more importantly, navigating this insane um, hurricane that is the music industry. I was just going to ask how people do you feel um, like uh, adapting to the way people release music, the way people record music? Has that been weird for you so like since you were going through the process on your own yeah right and then has it changed much when i started um when i said you know i'm going to be a professional musician and i'm going to do every single thing that i can um and i'm never going to give up and i'm just going to succeed um and i went headfirst into that it was right around the time that like 
CDs became null and void and yeah. MP3s took over. And so I was grinding when it went from, you know, at one at one point we were selling tens of thousands of records on Warp Tour, like CDs. And we were like always like getting close to making the Heat Seekers billboard charts just from hustling records on Warp Tour. Yeah. Uh, you know, newsflash, it was so that we could have get Taco Bell and gas yeah. uh, to the next date, and that cost thousands of dollars. So, um, And it went from that to all of a sudden, like, CDs were just just phasing away they were just um coasters and frisbees and like you know everything but a platform to distribute music and so it it was downloading music for a while and then we as a band we navigated uh, as a band taking ourselves way too seriously we navigated through records mp3s and then the streaming world right which is crazy yeah so you know navigating through this ever-changing um storm of the music industry is 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 just so important and i'd be lying if i told you i was the savviest most knowledgeable person about it because honestly i took a step back to grow my business and and it's one of those things where you have to be constantly one step ahead you really have to um so it's very difficult it is it is it is I, i feel like it's just this this constant beating up of of artists who are honestly out there trying their best to yeah. to break through this noise. But on a brighter note, it's also great because when we first started out, you had to look like Britney Spears or the Backstreet Boys, and like you had to create this certain genre of music to break for the record labels to scoop you up and, yep. and and you weren't nothing if you didn't have this record label and i feel like napster came around and turned the industry upside down and then well, all of a sudden you got bands like the black keys like their top 40 musicians and like yeah well uh, you, now more than ever i feel like you, you it's free reign like you never know what kind of music or what kind of authenticity is going to break through the noise and yeah. become popular you ryan said this um and one of the podcast episode season one and did definitively make me kind of rethink my stance on some of how music was being distributed. Don't ever repeat that, even <laughs> it's though it's now tape. been recorded. <laughs> um, but uh, the just the idea that it is now become so, so accessible to give breath to music that that would not have been able to successfully, you know, a band in the Midwest trying yeah. to connect with an audience of people who would never have found them somewhere across the globe. Um, and now having that be so easy um, yeah. is really incredible. Um, I just think, yeah, the money-making aspect of the music industry is in a little bit of an upheaval. Right. And I think, too, one of the things that's the problem is the way we talk about streaming, just to get a little deep in this, is, is a problem because we're assuming that streaming is the end. Just right. like we assumed that iTunes was the end yeah. and right. CDs. Like, sh- streaming is going to be irrelevant in 15 years. Yeah. I have no idea what it replaces. Yeah. But that's going – just like when, when I was growing up, we had you know, tapes and, and VHS and then DVDs and Blu-ray. And it was like, yeah, like Blu-rays and DVDs are hard to find of new releases now. It's yeah. rough. Breaking like, my heart, I know. <laughs> but but the idea that streaming now for music, as it's opened up doors and we're trying to financially find where we can, where artists can be like, hey, you know what? If you subscribe to my private platform, it's $10 a year and I put up all my demos, I do how-tos, I do fan interactions, trying to carve out a place. Streaming is not 
where we end music. No. Right. This, this is no. the, the scary part is the idea. Now I feel like more than ever, we're talking about streaming and putting out music like, ah, we've arrived. Now it's time to figure out what the digital age of, of uh, putting out content is. And it's like, this is just the taste. This yeah. is just the beginning of how we release music. Uh, soon enough, there's going to be, you know, we're going to be streaming live, live concerts, you know, and, of doing and, the digital age of like, hey, instead of going out, like to, you're going to stream, you're going to put on your virtual reality goggles and see the Red Hot Chili Peppers live yeah. at Madison Square Garden. Absolutely. Like, That's totally the yeah. future. I, and, and people are going to be creating Grammy nominated professional recordings on their iPhones. Right. And so what we don't talk about too yeah. with recording is that we could record with you who's amazing and an incredible friend and an even better looking guy. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Have I mentioned how, how great I think your guitar playing is? <laughs> oh my, sweet tall glass of tea. Well. Uh, well, um, shouts out to the Pearl. Uh, <laughs> but uh, something like this, Kyle, would cost a fortune 30 years ago. Of course, yeah. Right. So we don't talk about, too, that the cost of recording for an artist to have quality, to have the same tools that the big guys use is now finally accessible. It is. And, and I think that's a great thing. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. There are so many engineers like grunting in their studios, crying over their, you know, six-figure Neve consoles because um, technology is making things more accessible. Um the way I look at it is you can, you can, you can either, you can sit around and, and be pessimistic or cry about it, or you can, you can move with it, keep moving with it. And, I, and, and that's something I've often thought about. Will I have a job in 10 years? Yeah. Um, in 20 years? And I think the answer is yes, because I think, you know, technology making recording easier, making it more accessible is great. But I feel like a producer and, and is always going to be needed. Yes. And I agreed, feel, agreed. And so this is part of um, one of the things that we're doing at Railroad. We're doing tons of things over at Railroad. But one of the things we're doing at Railroad is we've got a 1969 iconic Airstream um, that's currently being worked on in Rhode Island right now, but we are creating a, a, a mobile recording studio. And the whole concept is to create this mobile space that is ideal for recording, yet it's also a rocket ship and is going to, you can, we can go out to Vermont on, uh, on Lake Champlain or the Joshua Tree or the yeah. middle of Texas or wherever your imagination can think of. And, and we'll get you there. And we're going to create an inspiring experience that no, that, that, you know, no bit of technology is going to touch. I mean, sure, technology is going to be involved, but I think the future isn't going to be about plugging things, plugging things in, getting a crispy, perfect, right level. And, it, 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 you know, things are going to get easier with technology is going to make it easier. Yes. It's going to make everything plug and play. And if you're just an engineer, yeah, you, your job might be threatened in 20 years. Yeah. But what we're trying to do at Railroad now is we're trying to take it a step further. We're trying to produce and, 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 and give an artist this experience. surreal experience. Right. I mean, could you imagine, I mean, sure, you can record an album on your iPhone or your laptop. Sure, you can pay an engineer to record your, record your record, but can you hop in a 1969 Airstream, cruise off to a destination of your liking, whatever. Hey, I'm recording this record and I feel like I feel like the Mojave Desert would be the perfect place for it. Or I feel like the middle yeah. of Canada would be the perfect yeah. place for it. Like, 
So I think that's the long ter- that's the long term plan as far as recording goes for for um, railroad. I know you we were talking about a five year, and I said I wanted to be, you know, uh, this umbrella, this label that helps artists, and and I want to help artists on all, in all forms of media because I feel like we're in the age of content, you know, constant content. People are just yeah. devouring content, and I feel like it's it can be a full time job for an artist to write, record music, and then Huge. also provide this this hunger, this nonstop hunger for content. So I feel like we're trying to go down these, all these different avenues to um, help artists um, in any way we can create a career out of making art. And, yeah. uh, um, and then just along the lines, there's the Airstream project, and I'm really excited about that. So I think the evolution of technology, gnarly. time? For that uh, well, we were hoping time? that it was going to be this summer, but we, there were some fundamental um, issues that we needed to sort out with the, the DOT lighting and the, the trailer's um, uh, foundation. So we actually found a specialist, and he's been working on it. So um, I don't anticipate anything kicking off this winter. Yeah, uh, I think the best time to kind of fire off this project will be next summer. summer. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've got plenty on our plates, but honestly... The airstream leg of the of what we've been doing has been something that we've been just dreaming and planning and 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 talking about for a long time. And I feel like it's really you know you've got jam in the van. You've got a couple of different people out there doing it right now, but I just feel like no one's doing it any justice. I think we can do it way cooler. I think yeah. we can provide a way cooler experience for bands. I mean. Um, I mean, we're just we're just kind of dreaming about like bringing a film crew out there, bringing your band out there, and like having somebody, you know, get all this this um this really organic content of, mm-hmm. of you and your engineer and your producer and your your bass player, um, you know, roasting marshmallows around the fire yep. and like just doing camping stuff, but like you know, being away from all that distraction and it's just yeah, super well, it's cool. that it's that it's that ability to just deeply connect with that whole process because there's nothing getting in the way of it at that yeah. point. Um, Imagine recording in a place that didn't have cell phone reception. Right. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different responses Get right that. there. I mean, Dave Owls would love to record out there. Yeah, well, he can, uh, grab, he can, he can have me drive up for when I do guitar. Um, but I think this all ties back in, though, um, because it's like, hey, whatever you want to do for for your recording to to be able to get that to get that spot like to be able to tap into the song and not only that but when people listen to the recording I always whenever I'm talking about recording or anything you know and I've talked with some some artists like I want this to do this I want this to do that the goal I think of always of recording should always be hey do I enjoy listening to this in the car when I'm driving to work Absolutely. do I like this and if you like the experience of going up to New Hampshire for a week and you have all this authentic content, people love to see how the sausage is made as far as artists because people are always like, what's the creative process? It's like, hey, we'll break down. We'll show you, we'll show you what's behind the curtain and you have this product that you go at the end of the day. You're like, I like this more than anything else. That's going to be that magic. Absolutely. I can, as a, as a, as a musician, um, I'm in a band from New York City called Karis Owen, and uh, one of the things that really helped inspire this whole thing was we got an Airbnb in North Carolina um, on the Georgia, I think it was the Georgia border, in the mountains somewhere. I mean, it took 40 minutes to get to the nearest gas station. So, like, 
Eric, my partner, who was uh, engineering the project, we, we, so we got this Airbnb and we ripped apart this person's living room and made a recording <laughs> studio out of it. And, uh, but Eric, he like needs Starbucks coffee. So he would drive for like an hour, get a Starbucks coffee and then drive for like an hour back every day. But anyway, we were, we were in this desolate location. In fact, me and the guitar player from, um, um, Carousel, and we drove up together and we pulled in. We got there like a day after everybody else. And when we pulled in the driveway to the Airbnb, we could not fully enter the driveway because there was two bears wrestling in the in the oh driveway. Oh my it was, God. I, I've never even seen a bear. And here we saw two bears wrestling. And Sean was like, you know, just bump them. I'm beeping the horn. He's just like, you got to bump them. them. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure bears have thumbs. Like, they'll just open the door and like, you know. <laughs> Chew us up or something, but anyway, we got the bears out. But we were in the, this this desolate location with terrible cell phone moved. reception, and it was incredible. We we gave ourselves sort of a, a task. We were like, we walked in there with nothing. Uh, drummer had some drum beats. He was kind of playing around with guitar player had some guitar riffs. I had not one lyric or one song concept in my brain whatsoever. We just congregated in this place in the mountains and um we were like all right we got a week and we got we've got a week we're paying we're paying eric to be out here we've got to make something and that sort of urgency mixed with this blast of a time we had so much fun just camping and like being out in the middle of nowhere and and just enjoying our each other and our company and like jamming out in a house being as loud as we want i mean it was just it just created this super organic really fun experience and we created what in my opinion is two of the best songs i've ever been a part of ever helped write in my entire life and i attribute that exclusively to the the time and the place and the experience it couldn't have happened unless we were all cooped up in this yeah. beautiful Airbnb recording studio yeah. surrounded by bears. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, it's, it's that type of experience. that, and, and that hasn't been the first time that an experience like that has inspired me or put me in the right mindset to create some of my personal best work. I mean, you've got Walden Pond. You've got all these artists who are going out and getting away from the noise or coming into the city, whatever. And feeding off the and energy. feeding yeah. off of that new energy and that inspiration. So I, f I really do feel like, I feel like some Grammy award-winning albums and, and really good content is going to be made in this airstream in the middle of nowhere because it can't not be. Yeah, which is very exciting. Very, very exciting. We're going to do a double bar podcast uh, at a place of Ryan's choice. Nice. Y'all know where I want to go. Where you want to go? The, the OP. OP. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note. <laughs> All right. So we have reached the bewitching hour, and we are really happy to have had you join us. Thank you, Kyle. Why don't you plug yourself for a little bit? What's the name of your company? All oh, that. Railroad Park Recording Co. And uh, at Railroad Park Recording Co. is the handle on Facebook and Instagram. Mainly Instagram because it's much cooler. Um, yeah. That we're kind of a we're kind of a, a niche little group of people doing some really cool stuff. So I, I'd say Instagram is the best place to reach at us right now. But um, and then you yeah. have your band as well. Oh, I'm in a, I'm in two bands. I'm in a band called Carousel. That's at Carousel on Instagram um, and Spotify and all that. Just check it out. Um, and then I'm also in a band called War Games. 
Nice. So we end everything with the Strumpfler surprise. Ooh. So I want, what was your first car? A Chevy Malibu. Oh, good call. Yeah. In fact, can I tell you a really quick little thing about the Chevy yes. Malibu? Because it's, it's fine. Really quick. Right across the street from this place here, there's like this drain going into the woods. Yes. This big indent. I was driving down here as a 16-year-old kid, not paying attention to anything. Um, and uh, I looked up, and there was a car in front of me stopping to pull into what was, I think, a food place or something over here. here. Yeah, yes. right here. Whoa. And I slammed on my brakes and crashed my car into that little ditch over there <laughs> where there's like that drain thing. Uh, I was able to pull out and, and continue to school, but um, <laughs> oh, no. it happened right across the street from this no. place. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, and my mom had a deer over here, too. This is a, I try to stay clear of double the great bar outdoors area. of Westport. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. We're, we're so glad to have you on our podcast. Try to stay clear of the double bar area. Great. Yeah, no. <laughs> thanks, Kyle. Thanks. Um, what was your first car? Uh, I had a Volvo sedan with Ooh. a crank sunroof. You were born and raised in Westport? I was. Yeah, I think everybody had a Volvo sedan. <laughs> what, what end of Westport were you, were you born? Did you... I was all the way out near the beaches, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. A lot of Volvo sedans out there. <laughs> that was everyone's first car in the South End. I wouldn't know. Us in North Andover, we, oh. wouldn't, we wouldn't know. Um, so let's hear it, Ryan. My first car was a Chevy Lumina, 1991. Ooh. It was two years older than me. <laughs> and I had it from my brother. And one of the famous stories is I'm driving through the woods. I'm heading to my friend's house. And uh, the rear view mirror just falls down. <laughs> and so I go to my brother. And I'm like, my older brother, Clay, like, what happened? Like, the rear view mirror just falls. He's like, yeah, it does that sometimes. It's like, no, it doesn't do that. That's not a thing. It's <laughs> a feature. Yeah. It's a Chevy yeah. feature. <laughs> Removable. You can replace it whatever style you want. You want the Guy Fieri rear view mirror? We got them all. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. With no further ado, we will talk at you all next time. Good night.